welcome back, dearest listener, because there's probably only one. It's fine. I try to always intro all of my shows with trying to do something fun, trying to set a, a fun atmosphere, because that's what a lot of what I do is about. But I don't really think that we can. I don't want to, to be honest with you. Uh, reading through the news, it's... I know that it's becoming a cliche, but I'm kind of choking up right now. It's heartbreaking. It's terrible. Ugh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> All right. We, this is the Progressive Patriots. I'm joined today by Mr. Bryson and Ms. Tasha. Um, there's obviously a lot going on uh, in Israel-Palestine, but there's a lot of other things that I want to get to first so that we can give that topic the attention that it deserves. So, right, it's um, just after 17.30 Phoenix time on October 16th. So, you know, shit is moving like light speed right now, so who knows what's going to happen by the time this is hitting your ears. Oh my goodness. All right, let's, um, let's get into the other stuff real quick. Uh, to the surprise of no one, uh, Robert F. Kennedy has uh, switched to an independent, and he's confirmed running for president. <clears throat> Like I said, to the surprise of no one. Uh, so I, what I did want to talk on or speak on was some polling data that I got of 1,200 respondents, self-identified Republican or, or Democrat. The opinions of Robert Kennedy, the people who like him and think he has a better chance as an independent is 23 to 2 uh, percent Democrats or Republicans to Democrats. All the numbers are going to be R slash D. So um, people who like him, but he does not have a chance. Uh, 31 to 4. Dislike him, but he has a better chance. 7 to 2. Dislike him, no chance or worse chances. 27 to 87. So not a whole lot of people really digging the RFK train. Doesn't really seem like anybody has too much hope for him. Just a little bit of the Republican side, more than anyone. All right, taking who does RFK take more votes from? This is, again, Republicans and then Democrats are the numbers. Takes more votes from Trump, 10 to 39. Takes more votes from Biden, 59 to 18. Um, equally takes none from both candidates, 8 to 19. Takes a little bit from both, 15 to 20. And then takes a lot from both. Three to two. Again, doesn't seem like people are really measuring his chances very well. He's not gonna, probably not gonna do very well. The last question I thought was the most interesting was, are you open to an independent candidate who has some inconsistent views with the party you identify with? So that was, I thought that was a good question. Um, I personally have voted third party before, so for me the answer is yes. But uh, so yes. And this includes Robert Kennedy, 35 to 5, without, yes, but not Robert Kennedy, 43 to 68, no third parties at all, uh, 17 to 22. I'm not entirely certain what this man's trying to accomplish. I think, Bryson, you said last time he's, what, gathering, collecting money, and then he's going to dip out to a tax that's, haven in the Caribbean? That's my guess. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, not necessarily dipping out with the, the, the campaign money, but I'm not exactly sure what all they can do with campaign money after uh, a campaign. You know, that's something I'm going to have to look more into. 
Um, but I know they get to keep it. You know, yeah. it doesn't get uh, sent back to the donors. Yeah, uh, probably there's... just transferred over to some other like I don't know pack or something. Exactly, like they can roll it over into another campaign or a pack if they wanted to. I believe that's the way that it works. But yeah, it does. They don't lose it. They get to keep all of it. So from his perspective, it's probably just political power at that point because he can say, hey, I have all this money from the campaign I ran. Uh, you know, who, whose I, campaign am I going to put into it now? Yeah, who am I going to support? Yeah. Uh, all right, the next thing, there, uh, it's um, this situation, I wasn't aware of it when it happened. It got overshadowed by uh, George Floyd. It's really shitty either way. Um, Elijah McClain, who was killed by a police officer in 2019, um, one of the police officers was found guilty of criminally negligent homicide and third-degree assault. He will be sentenced in January. The other officer that was there was found not guilty on all charges. Not, not I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, the prosecutor's argument was that the law enforcement, the, the cops used unnecessary force and they lied to the paramedics who then uh, administered a lethal dose of uh, ketamine, a uh, sedative. And the defense argued that the, the, the police didn't actually put the needle into him, so they're not responsible for it, which is also really stupid. Uh, uh, either way. Uh, okay, so some body cam footage. There were three policemen who arrived at the scene, and they, after nine seconds, within nine seconds of arriving, they started trying to wrestle Elijah to the ground. And um, they kept shouting... It's heard in the tape. They kept shouting that he's trying to take their weapons. He's trying to take a weapon. But he did not make any visible attempt to do so. Um, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. The third officer, his trial starts in October. And the paramedics, their trial starts in November. I guess, is, is, this, is this justice for Elijah? I feel like it's more no than yes. There's a little bit, but it's not very satisfying i suppose we'll see when what happens with the paramedics um i can't imagine what what would have to be going through your brain to think here or be told that this is what the situation is and you administer what you as a medical professional should know or have at least a good idea of what would be a lethal amount of that substance so I can I can add to that because I did some research on this um, some time ago. Ketamine is also called Special K, and it's also a drug. I actually know a person that um, had this slipped into her drink, and she did not wake up. So nationwide, EMS personnel are using this as like a tranquilizer on people, and it's a horse tranquilizer but they're using it in law enforcement to sedate people that they're taking into custody. And they don't have the medical training to administer the right dosage. For one, it's not even for human beings. Right. They don't have the specific training to administer this safely. So what happened was after they literally beat him up, McLean up, he was pretty much incapacitated and they still injected him with special K. Right which then slowed his heart rate down and he went into cardiac arrest. So some of the effects are feelings of relaxation, amnesia, 
uh, depression, unconsciousness, hallucinations. So some people, if you give them the right dosage, will worsen the situation versus help it. And then those go into cardiac arrest like he did, and you go to sleep and you don't wake up. So there's been a push to make sure that they can no longer use this substance when encountering people who are resisting arrest, right. so to speak, because it's used in anesthesiology and training for animals. <laughs> so why are you using this on human beings? There are there are cases of ketamine ketamine being used therapeutically. Uh, I can attest to this because I was part of the one of the studies, and I can say that it's really effective if it's in a controlled environment, controlled amounts, medical professional supervising. And I was absolutely not like being fearing for my life while three officers are beating the shit out of me. I was you know laying in my bed very comfortable and very relaxed and it was a very good experience this it, i cannot imagine what it would like i had one time one of my uh, therapy sessions went a little bit off the off the rails um something that the like the motivational speaker was saying kind of kind of fucked with me and i started to panic and i was fucking terrified just laying in my own bed i knew i was in my own room but i was still terrified i cannot imagine what that what Elijah went through in that having that I don't know having it's like somebody's boot on your fucking neck and then being given a hallucinogenic sedative you're slipping out of mental control it's unbelievable how somebody would think that's acceptable man reading all this stuff is <laughs> I need to find hobbies that are not online <laughs> we should start interjecting some some good news in there I, uh, you know a podcast that I really enjoy, um, they did they had did a series reviewing Auschwitz, and it was pretty fucking grim, as you can imagine. So they would take random, like every 20 to 30 minutes, they would just randomly break in, and they would do a fact on a, a random fact from the show, A Home Improvement, and that's it. That's how they would break it. So yeah, I think I might have to figure out what my uh, toolman tips are. <laughs> uh, update from New Mexico. The young man who shot Jacob Johns. Um, Jacob Johns is in still stable, but still critical. So, uh, fingers crossed for him. And the hit the judge in this young man's case it found probable cause for a trial. So he is going to trial. Um, I believe they're going for a jury, if I recall reading the what the prosecution was looking for. Um. We discussed previously, Tasha, I don't think you were here, but we were talking about the Supreme Court's, uh, their nine-month agenda, and this voting map was on it. Uh, South Carolina's map, extremely gerrymandered in the worst ways, is going to be approved. Uh, let's see, the appeals panel that, uh, the, the appeals panel that this map was struck down from agreed that it was drawn intentionally to disenfranchise black voters. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts, he said, have we ever had a case before where all it is is circumstantial evidence? <sighs> yes. Uh, 2019, South Carolina ruling, the Supreme Court in 2019 ruled that partisan advantages on maps are not a federal matter, except in cases of racial gerrymandering. So, okay, ki I kind of get it. They're like conservatives to so like states' rights or whatever. Okay, fine. Um, 
Justice Gors Gorsuch. Is it Gorsuch? Gorsuch. Whatever. He doesn't deserve his name pronounced right. Here, there's no evidence that the legislature could have achieved its partisan tilt, which everyone says is permissible, in any other way. Which is to say that they did it on partisan terms, not on racial discrimination terms. Justice Kagan said, the lower courts said, your defense was, we didn't look at racial data for this purpose. And the lower courts said, as she agrees with, I don't believe that. And I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you, I don't believe it either. There's, it was specifically drawn in a way that South Carolina's first district was shifted so that 30,000 black voters in South Carolina one are now in South Carolina six, which is a very safe Democrat district. The incumbent is over 30 years in the seat, Jim Clyburn. So there you go, gerrymandering, it's uh, alive and well. Uh, let's see here. Right. We spoke on the border wall that the Trump or the, the Trump administration allocated funds. They were appropriated for that purpose. The Biden administration it was kind of forced to go ahead with it. They're legally bound to do so. Right. So I got more polling data because this is kind of fun. Uh, 1,650 respondents. Um, again, R&D are the numbers. So they approve of the wall and or the overall policy of the Biden administration as it pertains to immigration. Approve the wall, not policy. Um, 27 to 11. Approve, uh, approve the wall, not the policy, 60 to 17. Disapprove the wall and disapprove policy or and but approve of policy is 5 to 24 and disapprove the wall and the policy is 7 to 45. So doesn't seem like Mr. Biden's doing very well on the immigration front. No. Even if he was, they'd find some way to make it seem like he wasn't. Right. You know? Yeah, that was and kind that, of the point, was to make him just, how can we make him look bad? Uh, just a, a quick little uh, tidbit for that last story on the, the Supreme Court voting map. Have either of you seen uh, the film Vigilante? Can't say uh, So I... I I'm, I hope I'm not butchering uh, his name. He's an investigative journalist, uh, Greg uh, Pallast. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. He came out with this film uh, basically about Georgia's uh, voter suppression uh, laws and things that were going on. Um, I would definitely suggest if there's anyone out there listening, go check out that film. It does a really good job at basically showing how the GOP is using uh, this playbook of being able to challenge votes uh, as well as several other laws to make sure that, uh, you know, they stay in power um, through things like this, through like these these messed up voting maps, uh, through being able to challenge uh, as many votes as you would want. Uh, you could literally, literally in the film, you'll see um, they just print off names on the voter rolls of names that sound like immigrants or names that sound like a particular race and then they just challenge all those votes and then all, they just disappeared. They, they don't count anymore. Um, and they're trying to basically roll that out through the entire country. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Kent. He's working with guys at Kansas, where I'm at. It's this whole crazy conspiracy that I shouldn't throw out the word conspiracy because they're actually doing it. But it, it, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Vig vigilante. I don't know, but that's, 
Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, it seems they were trying to do the same thing here, uh, particularly in Phoenix. Um, the Maricopa County recorder was re when um, Fontes, he moved up to Secretary of State. So it, the his replacement was a MAGA conspiracy guy. So naturally he wanted to use that position to make sure that people... Uh, you can't possibly be voting against what I like because... That's just right. ridiculous. It's wow. it's obscene what they're doing. It's it's unfortunate that we don't have a whole lot. Like it, it feels like it's out of reach. Am I am I being a little pessimistic with that? Like, um, not at all. No, and it's tough when you look at the history of our country and really see how this didn't just start. You know, it, it didn't it didn't start with Jim Crow. You know, it didn't. Literally, we've been suppressing people's power our entire history. Just the history we teach in, you know, elementary school and high school, it's very different than what is actually happening or actually happened. You know, they, they leave a lot out. It's not pessimistic, but I wouldn't let it get you down so much you don't want to do something about it. No, you know? it's, it's not but, to but that that's point. That's why we're here. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, I was listening to a book uh, yesterday while I was doing other stuff, but I was listening to the book and they talked about exactly what you just mentioned, uh, where like they, they were, it's, I forget what, it, what the book is called off the top, responding to the right, where there are conservative arguments. And then a guy breaks down, like, this is actually what happened, not what they're saying. Like they have a flashy phrase, but here's how you combat that with, with facts and also a flashy phrase. And one of the things that he was talking about was uh, founding fathers, constitutional, uh, pure, puritanical constitutionalists or whatever. And one of the things he was talking about, I think it was John Adams, who his wife was really trying to get him to include women in a lot of what the of the framing of the Constitution. And he pretty much told her, like, yeah, mm -hmm. nope, fuck off. No, absolutely not. Uh, and someone else, I, John Jay, I believe it was, he said that, why would we include black people in this? They are mentally inferior to us. Mm -hmm. And that was sobering, you know, having grown up with the, the whitewashed education. And so thinking that those guys were like superheroes or something and they were flawed mm -hmm. people. I would, uh, I, I just started reading a people's history of the United, of the United States uh, if you haven't read that, I would definitely recommend checking that out. It's one of uh, Veterans Organizing Institute's patron saints, uh, Howard Zinn. Um, you know, just, uh, just to give a little plug to VOI. But the book is amazing. It talks a lot about how the history behind our founding fathers is very different than what actually happened. And a lot of it was, lack of a better term, it, it was a class war. You know, they were yeah. the ruling class, you know. Um, so, of course, we... They left out a lot of people, <laughs> so. All right, let's keep it moving here. Another immigration thing that I that's actually, I think, pretty good. Uh, the Biden administration is offering, it's unfortunately it's temporary, but they are, these immigrants are being given pretty much temporary, um, indefinite temporary legal status. Uh, the ones that were set, they had their children separated from their parents. 
so pretty much they're allowed to stay here while the while that all gets sorted out there were approximately 3900 kids taken from their parents and 500 to a thousand which is a really wide range there are still not back with their parents and that's pretty messed up they don't even know where the kids are they can't account for them yeah which speaks volumes because of the all these human trafficking and child trafficking rings and this happened under the trump administration so they just gave people custody of these children and nobody knows where these kids are that's mind-blowing to me what's what's funny is that a very large part of the QAnon conspiracy is that uh, Trump is like some kind of secret agent infiltrating the the deep state and the child pedophile, the sex trafficking rings so that he can break them from the inside. Buddy, he just gave kids away. Um, I don't know how much worse right. it can be. But they're probably... they. They're second-class kids, though, because they're not the right color. So that's okay. Right. Right. Uh, yes, I don't actually think that. For anybody who may want to isolate that sound, I don't actually think that way. It's too late. They haven't yeah. got you. <laughs> the deep state got <laughs> me. Okay, so <laughs> we have been talking. We've been following a couple of strikes, and some more might be looming. In Las Vegas, mm -hmm. the workers, the culinary workers union and the bartenders union are looking for new contracts from the MGM group, Caesar Entertainment and the Wynn Resorts group, which that's pretty much everybody on the strip. The M group is Basically. like fucking most of it, 80%. So, so the those two unions are looking for new deals. They are threatening, they have threatened to strike before and that worked. It's not working this time. Uh, union workers, they are seeking higher wages, stronger protections against technology replacements, lower housekeeping quotas, and improved safety standards. Per sounds pretty par for the course of what everyone's asking for. They want to be safe mm -hmm. at work? Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you are required to whiff, take a big whiff of the ammonia before you use it. It's just mandatory. Right. <laughs> Right, so 95% of the members voted to strike in September, uh, and they were planning it for the the weekend in Vegas, which I think is a month from now, where Formula One is going to be doing a Grand Prix. So that's fun. Oh. I, I really hope they do. If they don't get it, oh, God, the, the, I want to watch it burn. <laughs> I want to watch I want to watch them suffer. Um, all right, so... Tourism is down 7% year over year from 2019 to 2023. Room rates are still up 30%. So tourism is down a little bit, but not enough to where this, this room rate hike that stuck from uh, the pandemic time is... So they're obviously making a lot more money, and they probably boast about it on their quarterly calls. And now the workers want mm -hmm. their cut. Yeah. All right. Fair is fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? If you make more, why don't I make more? Right. Uh, another... Longer hours <laughs> on top of that. Another strike, this one in California, um, the Kaiser Permanente me uh, medical professionals, they were on a three-day strike. Um, again, they want better pay. They want staff shortage eas easements and correction of the high turnover rates. 
um, all of this, it to me, this was pretty telling of what their priorities are. The, the union had said, like, this is undermining patient care. We can't do our jobs and people are going to get sick, sicker or die. So I thought that was really noble. It's an honorable thing to say. Uh, negotiations restarted. The acting labor secretary, Julie Sue, w- w- she was there as a mediator. So t- I read today that they reached a tentative deal. Right. So they reached a tentative deal. The labor secretary, Julie Sue, uh, she was involved and she flew out and they were there. They did, uh, she said, two all night sessions over 36 hours. Jeez. It's a, it's, that's a stamina. Mm-hmm. The conditions that they have tentatively is $25 an hour minimum for union workers in California, and they will meet that floor over the next three years, and there will be, you know, raises beyond that, and 23 an hour for other states that Kaiser Permanente operates in. I think Virginia was the only major one that I saw mentioned. The secretary, the, the secretary treasurer of... um office professionals union local number two uh sarah levesque we're incredibly grateful to acting u.s labor secretary julie sue and the biden administration for supporting workers rights to collective bargaining and biden uh continuing with his i don't know calling himself the most labor friendly or union friendly president I'm heartened to see healthcare workers and their employers take this critical step towards securing pay, benefits, and working conditions these heroes deserve. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, he, sh- he should definitely keep it up, you know? I mean, yeah. me personally, I feel like unions are really the only thing that's going to protect the working class going forward. Uh, I'm not so sure about voting, you know? I'm still going to, you know, get out there and do some GOTV and all that, but... I uh I really think unions is where it's at. So I'm 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 very happy to see mm-hmm. uh, the increase in what's going on. I'm honestly very surprised that we have a president that is even saying anything. Um, so that I, I think that's a that's a win. Right. I always thought that if you shit in a gold toilet your whole life, that you're a man of the people. That's what I was. I don't know. That's what I thought. That's what I was told is. It's what makes you makes you you know. I heard that too. A real common man. Right. Maybe uh, if uh, his organizations would have unionized, uh, they wouldn't be where they're at now. <laughs> all right. Let's see a little bit on the auto workers. Uh, a Ford executive said they are at their limit of what they can spend on higher wages and benefits for the for the employees, which yeah, that's bullshit. We all know it. The, his name is Kumar Galotra. He is the head, he is the executive of the Internal Combustion Engine Unit. So, you know, gas cars. Uh, we have been very clear that we are at the limit. We stretch to get to this point. Going further will we'll hurt our ability to invest in the business. That's a direct quote. What, what is, I, I'm confused on that. What is, what is he trying to say there? Like, well, basically, he's trying to say they don't want to budge but let me read to you the numbers that they made in 2022 alone for the motor company revenue of just over 158 billion dollars for ford so general Motors made 156.7 billion during the 2022 fiscal year 
So they sold roughly 3.9 million units in 2021 and roughly 4.2 million units in 2022 for Ford Motors. So they're full of shit, just basically saying, we just don't want to give you more money, even though we have plenty to go around and then some. I think maybe reinvesting in the business, executives need their fourth vacation home in Monaco. I, mm. If we don't have those, how are we going to executive the business? Right. <laughs> um, I got more here. <laughs> the submissions from Ford. Uh, there was a shitty submission from Ford, so the president ordered the Kentucky truck. That was the name of the factory that went on strike. Um, I didn't see, but he gave a some public announcement on last Friday, and that, given the trends, it meant that th there was likely to be more strikes to be called because that's what he has been doing previously, but I haven't seen yet. I, I imagine I would have heard uh, or read if there was. Um, so the Stellaris and General Motors offers are worse than Ford's. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, um, I don't know who this asshole is, but uh, I wanted to take his little quote here. This puts everybody on notice. If they haven't brought anything new to the table since last week, be worried. Sam Fioriani, the vice president of vehicle forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions. I have no idea what the hell that is. Um, it's a uh, mm. Jeep with a chance of all-terrain tires. Is that the forecast for today? <laughs> right. I don't understand. Uh, uh. Um, Bill Ford, the great-grandson of Henry Ford. The, he's currently the executive chairman of the board of directors for Ford. He urged the UAW to stop striking, citing the... Oh, it will become irreversible. The Im economic impact will be irreversible if it gets worse. Wow. Break what, out what's, your the impact on, what, what's the impact on the families when they, they can't feed their kids or they, they can't afford their, their right. basic needs, you know? Like, okay, like, that's just appalling. I think of the the movie The Dark Knight Rises and uh, the Catwoman character when she's, like, at the dance with uh, Bruce Wayne just before all the shit pops off. And then she, like, she tells him, like, it's, it's, uh, I don't under, like, or so, I, how, something, something, like, how you could take so much for yourselves and leave so little for the rest of us. And then the big, like, right the big uh, tumultuous takeover happens and all the all the rich people start getting uh, cast out to walk over the frozen lake or something and good luck mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man but they did let the let them take like their fur coats so hey they weren't uh, they weren't too unreasonable oh, isn't isn't the zeitgeist now that right, like right. batman was actually like <laughs> just as bad because he's a rich guy that could spread his wealth and help the city of Gotham, right? Isn't that the whole... That's basically what I, you're I saw a clip of that. Right. Both him and uh, Tony Stark, they're just rich assholes that don't need to crash through buildings and stuff like that. They could kind of just like help finance solutions, long-term yeah, solutions, right. not just beating up criminals, which I imagine is satisfying, but um, all right, SAG-AFTRA. 
the mm-hmm. there's a studio alliance. It's the Alliance of Movie Picture and Television Producers. There, I didn't know that was a thing. So I guess mm-hmm. anybody can unionize. Mm-hmm. Uh, their offer was substantially less than what the Actors Guild initially requested. And that was before they knew what the Actors Guild request was. So that kind of gives you an idea of the mm-hmm. of the ground that they're coming in on. The Producers Alliance or whatever, they claim that sharing stream revenues would cost them $800 million a year. And uh, the Actors Guild said that's at least 60% overstated. I think uh, that they're trying mm-hmm. to paint the media narrative of like they're going to milk us dry because the actors are greedy or whatever. Like, man, like Matt, Matt Damon doesn't fucking need part of that stream revenue. It's not for him. Right. I, I can do for that as an actor myself. The residual checks that you get for any role that you play, even if it's a major motion picture or just a B-rate film, it's not much. Sometimes you can get a check for $5 a month from the residuals. But if you were, if you were tapping into that streaming service, that also increases your ability to make a decent living. And one of the reasons why I had to step away from acting for a minute because I couldn't find the right for me to do that solely and not have any other levels of employment. So basically what SAG actors are asking is that you not only give us a streaming service, but that you don't just use our image freely at your own leisure because it stops us from being able to get other roles, get uh, royalties, get residuals, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's actually what the next point that I had here is that the... One thing that the the producers alliance was n- refused to budge on was the likeness rights, and they they're pretty much right. if you are in one frame of their of any of their content, they have they the right to use your face in perpetuity for eternity, and that's bullshit. I cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and. So yeah, they were asking right. for streaming residuals. Right. <laughs> Any money from I think one I don't know if it, uh just a rumor I guess was that they were going to offer like one-time purchases of your likeness for like yep. pe- peanuts basically. Unaccept- Give me like 150 for you to pay extra and then the movie blows up and then they use you in other Marvel movies for example yeah. and you never make any money off of your image. Yeah. Um I was uh, talking That's a negative talking to somebody about the college football kids that they got right, the rights to use their name name likeness and image i think it is is at nli or the mm-hmm. i think that's the phrase they like but now those kids are raking it which deservedly i mean they're really they're really talented so get paid what you're what you're worth yeah okay mm-hmm. that's enough of labor stuff let's get into the shit show formerly known as Congress. So Bob Menendez, <laughs> everyone's favorite senator of New Jersey, he was uh, formally charged with a conspiracy to act as a foreign agent for the Egyptian government. And um, mm-hmm. his response to that was, this flies in the face of my long record of standing up for human rights and democracy in Egypt and challenging the leaders of that country. I challenge you to give me 10 more gold bars. Can you meet my challenge? This guy is a caricature of what everyone believes a politician to be. 
a corrupt little fucking weasel. <laughs> it's unfortunate that he's. Hey, he'll. Don't, we don't got to worry. He'll he'll get charged and he'll go to prison probably. I mean, he's a Democrat, right? <laughs> oh, they, that's right. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. They go. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, the other side just runs for president, <laughs> and they get elected. Unbelievable. The roller coaster ride that has been the House speakership. Holy cow! All right, so last Thursday, self-labeled David Duke without the baggage, Steve Scalise was nominated as the next Speaker of the House. David Duke, grand, former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. In other words, he's a piece of shit. Uh, Scalise is out of Louisiana. He won the nomination at a 113 to 99 in a closed doors secret ballot vote. <laughs> and after that, no shit the next fucking day, he drops out. He, he refuses the nomination. Um, if you look at where our conference is, there are still some people that have their own agendas, Is were his words as he <laughs> announced his... Uh, he's not running anymore. His counterpart was Jim Jordan of Ohio. He was, when he lost that nomination bid, which the 99 were for him, he tried to unify everybody behind Scalise, but a lot of people weren't willing to relent. Uh, 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 uh. Jim Jordan nominated again. That This was on Friday, but did not have enough support. Uh, he had the majority of House Republicans, but not enough for 217. Uh, um, oh, I have this quote. This is Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Democrat out of New York. House Republicans have selected as their nominee to be the Speaker of the People's House, the Chairman of the Chaos Caucus, a defender in a dangerous way of dysfunction, and an extremist extraordinaire. I have him listed here as chair of the adult caucus of the house. So a little bit more news here. Jim Jordan still didn't have enough support on Saturday and another closed door vote. Uh, this time his counterpart was Austin Scott, rep, uh, Republican out of Georgia. The vote was 124 to 81 the first time, 152 to 55 the second time. Uh, so now the last news that I had from today. Jim Jordan is set to try voting again tomorrow. We want to go to the floor as soon as possible. Now, what's really cool about this, moderate Republicans reaching across the aisle for a bipartisan option. Good gracious, they finally grew up. Oh, man. <laughs> Which, like, obviously the choice is probably going to be Hakeem Jeffries. Um, I I don't know that much about him, but he does seem like a stand-up guy. So he, if if the Republicans help him get elected as Speaker of the House, then he'll probably, like, he'll, he'll keep their considerations in mind with uh, legislation. Okay. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Here it is. I have it here. Chair of the Adult Caucus. Uh, when we get back to Washington, it's important to begin to formalize those discussions. So, hmm, <laughs> you better you better try as quickly as you can, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan of 
sexual abuse enabler fame. Oh yeah, that one. That's yeah, the, <laughs> that's the guy. If a Democrat ends up being uh, the speaker <laughs> after all this, I, I, I'll, I don't know. <laughs> the minority party is the fucking speaker because the other, the majority half couldn't get their shit in order. They just could not decide. Do we want a, you know, a guy who's actually going to maybe get something done, like M McCarthy or something? Or do we want a fucking we lunatic? Yeah. Right. <laughs> or do, we, do we want the Grand Wizard or do we want the MAGA fucking lunatic? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which one we're going with. It just goes to show how, how Donald Trump has polarized yep. the Republican Party to the point to where they're divided, a house divided basically yep. amongst themselves. And it's sad to watch them scramble. There's that holdout of at around 50, 50 to 55 that continue to vote against the extremist options. So that's, it, right. I, I expect those are like purple district Republicans. So, you know, they're, they gotta think about, I, I guess they might be actually thinking about what their constituents might want. And that's not Jim Jordan. I cannot exactly. think of many people who do. Right. But yeah, he's, the MAGA extremism has is tearing the GOP apart. They're they're cannibalizing yep. each other because they can't decide if they want to actually mm -hmm. govern or if they want to have time in front of the TV cameras. Well, fingers crossed. All right, now for the big one. Okay, so let's get started on last week. Hamas, which is a terrorist organization that resides, um, that's of the Palestinian people. So it's like a, you know, terrorist faction. Uh, they attacked Israel. Um, I stopped like checking the casualty numbers. I, I don't want, I don't want to look at it anymore. And I'm fortunate to be able to do that. I know. Yeah. So one thing on the attack, I got 1,500 respondents who, where does the blame lie? Hamas entirely, 75 to 19. Hamas mostly, 17 to 24. Both equally, 3 to 33. Israel mostly, 2 to 16. Israel entirely, 0 to 5. Well, say, seems like uh, Republicans are very pro-Israel. Mm -hmm. Especially DeSantis, he's very vocal about that. Uh, yeah, I think that just goes to show the the power of uh, American propaganda uh, and the, the lack of uh, historical context on the entire situation as a whole. Yeah. Uh, right. Man. I, I have outlined for if ever, whenever, the international counterpart of this show. I have the, like, the entire history of it lined up because I didn't know. So I wanted to educate myself and make sure that I'm, you know, at least speaking from a semi-educated position and it's uh right it's pretty rough right. it's a rough story overall so like fuck colonial britain okay yeah, uh, definitely <laughs> pretty sure a lot of the world would agree with that so what's i don't know what's interesting to me is the equally number or at least hamas mostly wherein you know, Israel does share some of the blame. It does, it seems like people are 
they're going woke and they're figuring out like maybe it's not just tap dance for Israel all the time. Like nobody nobody is condoning mm. terrorism. Absolutely nobody would condone that or approve of that. And right. anyone who does right. is a shithead right. and you don't need to be listening to them. But mm. when, when considering the situation holistically, uh, you can't just ignore all of the history of what's happened in the region. Uh, I don't I, mm -hmm. like Iraq. God, that was like reactive anger that everyone just went for it without even thinking twice about what we were doing and what would happen. Right. And I, right. I'm worried that a similar situation, it like with this Hamas entirely. Obviously, Republicans feel that way. So I mean, I, what do we, what do they want to do with that? What, what do we just flatten Gaza and kill like millions of innocent people, half of which are children? Yeah, that's uh, it's just a tough situation to navigate, and it is. Uh, it, it's hard to say. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I don't want anyone to die, um, but you know, at some point, you have to realize that that's not how the world works right that's not how uh you know uh fighting back against oppressors works um you know they've tried peacefully doing things they've tried going to the un and they're still completely uh blockaded in this tiny little area um, i mean you'll i don't know if you've already listened to the interviews um but uh one of the individuals i talked to at the rally i went to did a, a great job at explaining exactly how small this area that all these people are packed into it's like 25 and, miles by four mm -hmm. miles something like mm -hmm. that it's ridiculous uh, mm -hmm. and what are you supposed to do when literally your entire life is in the control of a government that wants to see you dead so it's wow. uh it's wild and then to see uh, hopefully this is a wake-up call for a lot of people in america to see how our propaganda systems work, the ties uh, that Israel has to American uh, Christian uh, evangelicals, um, and their their end times, uh, you know, thing, as well as our military support. You know, obviously, America, the American government is very pro-Israel because it's a, a stepping stone for our military. I, I wish. Moises was here, he'd have uh, a lot to say about this. He actually recommended a documentary uh, called 1913, Seeds of Conflict. I think it's, you can find it on PBS uh, and several other places. Uh, you might have to pay for it in certain places, but you know. Um, Is that when the British kind of just said, LOL, fuck it, and drew lines in the middle of the region? Yeah, I mean, based, so if I understand I think, correctly, yeah. Or unless Tasha, do are you uh, more knowledgeable on this? Because I, I, I don't want to speak with authority on anything. Well, not to speak with authority, but more so, um, some of the research that I've done is when Israel was given the nation state, it was pretty much land that had already belonged to the Palestinians that were already there. If I'm not mistaken, this happened after World War II. Nineteen forty-eight came over into yes, uh, they came and they took over. So the problem now is that Israel as you stated, has been slowly encroaching on Palestinian land and kicking those people, indigenous people, off their own land and telling them, you will stay here, which is the same thing that happened to the Jewish people during World War II in various parts of Europe. That's why there are a lot of people who are looking at Israel like, 
this happened to you, so why are you carrying this out against these people? But the problem is that it has caused a festering of the extremists through Hamas, who has decided we're going to use these violent means, or by any means necessary, to yeah. not only take our land back, but to our people from this government. So I in no way condone Hamas, but at the same time, I do not condone the things that Israel has done right. to their people repeatedly. And the fact that there is casualties on both sides, people being taken hostage, Hamas going into people's homes and murdering them, children, but then watching Israel going and cut off water supply, food, and then making them corral into a small area called the safe zone. But when the media goes in to see the safe zone, it's nothing but rubble. And the Israeli government is coming in and pounding them with ammunition. And these people, these innocent people are trapped because Hamas is holding them hostage. But the kicker is, the fear is that Hezbollah would join in on the fight on yeah, the, Hamas's side. From the, so now you bring Iran to the equation, you know? Hezbollah operates out of Lebanon. So they're a bit closer to mm -hmm. Israel from that point. But yeah, uh, the whole safe zone mm -hmm. shit, like they, what it, like uh, Netanyahu, he's told, he made this like big public show of saying, oh, you have 24 hours to get out of the way and then we're going to start, you know, decimating the entire area. Except they couldn't leave. They weren't allowed to leave. So I don't, I'm not entirely certain what, uh, what they were supposed to do. Which, but he can That's say publicly is, I, oh, well, I gave them the chance. I gave them a chance to leave. I told them. Yeah, I told them. Uh, let's, let's keep going here. In the immediate aftermath, the law enforcement agencies across the U.S., they increased security around Jewish communities mostly, but in some places, Muslim communities as well. The N NYPD and LAPD both issued statements that they would be increasing patrols near synagogues and other Jewish community centers. Um, the governor of New York had this to say, there's no reason to feel afraid. No one should feel they have to alter their normal lives. Uh, I suppose. The deputy commissioner of Intel in the NYPD uh, Rebecca Weiner said, it's very easy from far away to instill fear, and we're not going to fall for that as a city. <clears throat> uh, if I understand correctly, I mean, I, I don't know the, the data on this, on how many uh, people within the Jewish faith actually support Israel. But from what I've been seeing, as I've been researching this, there's a lot of Jewish people that so don't. Palestine, support Israel or support the Palestinians uh, in this. Yeah, exactly. They support the Palestinians because I guess within the Jewish faith, you're not even supposed to have a, it, it says you're not supposed to have a state. Um, and that the, the, the Zionists in Israel um, are actually going against uh, Jewish scripture. Um, so I find that interesting um, that the dynamic mm -hmm. um I, maybe that's why they're they're saying that no one has anything to, to really fear or shouldn't alter their lives. Hopefully, if there was someone that wanted to, uh, you know, on, if there was an unfortunate uh, instance where there was some kind of attack in America, hopefully whoever is doing that knows that the majority of Jewish people uh, aren't actually supportive. 
Um, but I guess there, there's no really, really way to tell. I heard an interview with a, a man in an Israeli man in Israel. His brother was killed in the attacks, and he made it. He was pointedly said, "My brother would not want his death used to kill more innocent people." That's not what he stood for. Mm-hmm. And there have been, mm-hmm. I've seen also like photos of demonstrations specifically of Jewish people or Israeli, if for a secular term, I guess, that are clearly supporting the Palestinian people because they, it's not that they don't care about what's happening. It's not that they don't grieve for the, for the losses in Israel. Who doesn't? But they don't want more more carnage is going to make more situations like this happen and continue to happen and it's never going to stop let's see so i got some remarks from various people the first one this is from president biden in this moment we must be crystal clear we stand with israel we stand with israel and we will make sure israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens defend itself and respond to this attack there's no justification for terrorism. There's no excuse. Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. Its stated purpose is the annihilation of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. They use Palestinian civilians as human shields. Hamas offers nothing but terror and bloodshed with no regard to who pays the price. The loss of innocent life is heartbreaking. Israel being a long time U.S. ally, naturally, the initial, the immediate reaction is going to be that we support them. So that, and that was also his remarks pretty much in the immediate aftermath. So I haven't seen if he said anything, any, anything different or anything further, more detailed than that. But um, he, I know that he has been expressing more, more, I, I don't know, he's giving more attention or his talking time to Palestinians as well that I've been reading. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I I appreciate talk, but yeah, right. action, action. You know, maybe not. Maybe stop sending money that Israel doesn't actually need, or maybe stop giving them the ammunition that's killing the Palestinians in the in the first place, right? Right. And, you can do humanitarian aid, construction projects, civil projects. There's a lot of things that you can do to support Israel that do not include uh, military equipment of any kind. Yeah, which right. military equipment we already had there. It was already in the country of Israel. And as soon as they're like, hey, we need ammunition. OK, you can just have the stuff. That's Here's the combo to the lock. Go ahead. Yeah. Not only that, evacuating civilians in Palestine Egypt was trying to take some of them on, if I'm not mistaken. They were. Mm-hmm. But find safe ground for the Palestinians to find peace and be able to recuperate because they're they're losing people every day to the thousands. Yeah. It's several million people there from what yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the other side, Mr. Trump's comments. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. The press doesn't like when they say a point. Saying, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack us from the north. So the following morning they attacked. They might not have been doing it, but if you listen to this jerk, you would attack from the north because he said that's our weak spot. Uh, Pretty much everything else that I've heard from him is him making these situations about himself and how 
be out right. of, or Israel, you fucked up. You should have been. Uh, you should have helped me get elected, and then uh, this wouldn't have happened to you. Like, goodness, that, right. that's what you come to mind with. That's what you approach this conversation with. I uh, not not surprised. <laughs> it's almost like you you can't even think of anything to say because it's so out of this world to even try to fathom what his thought processes are that I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like you got to dumb yourself down <laughs> to think on his level, you know? I got to take a, a Bryson playbook here. What would... I got to put myself into the shoes of someone whose head is so far up their own ass that, you know, this lump, oh my, the lump in the throat <laughs> is my nose. So... What would, what would I do? Um, uh, what would I do? I would try to make this be a point of uh, my opponent sucks. Hit, everything he does is wrong. I would. This would not have happened if I was in his position. I would have the. If it did, I would have this fixed in a second. We would uh, all, and then all the strongman talk of like we'll put a boot up their ass because it's the American way. Right. You should honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if you get an email for a for a, a consulting job. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, so, actually, to this point, the deputy press sec secretary Andrew Bates, his response to when asked about Trump's comments is: "Statements like this are dangerous and unhinged." It's completely lost on us why any American would ever praise an Iran-backed terrorist organization as smart. I I feel like this kind of I feel like in in propaganda, one of the big things people try and do is they try and dehumanize. Yeah, it and is absolutely to to say that. I mean, they're assuming like, oh, these people from these this particular place, they're not educated. They're not as educated as us, but I mean, that's, I don't really think that's how it works. Um, and in this day and age, everyone has access to the internet. Anyone can, can go out and, and get information and, and learn. So to say that these people uh, uh, aren't uh, intelligent, um, you know, they may not be like, they may not have PhDs in physics, you know? I mean, honestly, some of them probably do. Uh, yeah. Just, just going back to what I said earlier, it, it sounds like there's a lot of just dehumanization going on. Maybe it's it in a way, in, it's the way that it was phrased, the exact words. Maybe like instead of saying, instead of saying smart, you say, I don't know, they're like conniving or something like that. I don't know. I'm just mincing words at this clever. point. Clever, yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> dastard, dastardly and clever. Like fucking right. slithering snakes or like wily foxes or something. But I don't know. There are other ways to that you could kind of give them that the respect you would give to an adversary that isn't coming off as praise. That's a that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, because you absolutely should never yeah. underestimate. That I'm sure that's in Art of War somewhere. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, some more commentary. There, so Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian. I believe her parents were mm -hmm. immigrants from Palestine. So naturally, mm -hmm. she's getting a lot of flack for not immediately jumping up and saying, you know, kill them all or something. Uh, but here's 
what she had to say. I grieve the Palestinian and Israeli lives lost yesterday, today, and every day. I'm determined as ever to fight for a just future where everyone can live in peace without fear and with true freedom, equal rights, and human dignity. The path to that future must include lifting the blockade, ending the occupation, and dismantling the apartheid system that creates the suffocating, dehumanizing conditions that can lead to resistance. The failure to recognize the violent reality of living under siege, occupation, and apartheid makes no one safer. No person, no child anywhere should have to suffer or live in fear of violence. We cannot ignore the humanity in each other. As long as our country provides billions in unconditional funding to support the apartheid government, this heartbreaking cycle of violence will continue. Can, can you put some DJ horns in, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I, that's literally the yeah. best. <laughs> and she's like getting heat from yeah. for this. Um, continuing, we have Miss Cortez, Ocasio Cortez. Mm. Uh, today is devastating for all those seeking a lasting peace and respect for human rights in Israel and Palestine. I condemn Hamas's attack in, in the strongest possible terms. No child and family should ever endure this kind of violence and fear, and this violence will not solve the ongoing oppression and occupation in the region. An immediate ceasefire and de-escalation is urgently needed to save lives. So this was kind of held up as the middle ground sort of approach. Right. Yeah, seems like it. And this one is actually the guy who represents me in my district, uh, Raul Grialva. This senseless violence must end. A committed peace process with honest brokers is the only way to end the cycle of murder and destruction. We must stand with Israel as it protects its sovereignty and its people. The horrific attacks on civilians are unconscionable, and all civilian hostages must be released immediately and safely. The security of civilians in both Israel and Gaza must be a priority for both sides. He pointedly did so not... So pro-Israel not being pro-Israel. Yeah, because he did not say Palestine. He said Gaza. Like, it's kind of obvious that you're not giving like them their agency. Uh-huh. I wanted to include his because it was... It did give me that, like, man, you're always really cool. Like, why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this now? <laughs> but, oh well. Uh, that's it for the official comments that I enjoyed or found interesting, I should say. Uh, Hezbollah is very smart. Why? I think, uh, in a, I can't stop thinking about him saying that. It, I want to, I keep trying to give it more complexity or more depth than it really is, than there really is to it. Like the dudes, of, he, the dude likes the smell of his own farts. And that's really all there is to it. He's going to say whatever it is <laughs> that makes him sound good, his opponent sound bad. So, yeah, uh, Hezbollah is very smart because Joe Biden is stupid, and that's why they were able to do this. I feel like you don't really have to worry about what you say when you have an entire uh, media system backing you, you know, that, that will not air uh, the dumb things and will air all the things you say that... that do work you know i mean i don't know how uh how much he's backed by uh, certain people within uh the right currently um but i feel like he, he doesn't really have to worry if he says something dumb at the beginning 
or before he was elected, when he was still candidate, they were he was talking to somebody about something technology related, and he immediate like his immediate knee jerk response was, "Oh, we should get Bill Gates on that." And the somebody tried to give it more depth, saying, "No, this is a bipartisan move. You see, he picked." Bill Gates, who is a very left-leaning guy, so he's bringing in other voices. Like, no, dude, he this he said something about computers. I don't know shit about computers. Bill Gates knows about computers. There you go. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to give the shit more depth than it really has. Is it is it Occam's razor? Right. Yes. The simplest explanation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the simplest explanation is always he's just dumb. Yes. All right. Um, some some people. The right has been having a fucking field day with this. The six billion dollar of funds that were released from a South Korean bank to a Qatari bank, and that was from an oil sale between Iran and South Korea. So the funds were released right. as part of a, a hostage negotiation kind of thing. Oh, as mm -hmm. as of now. Because they the assets were refrozen, so the money is still mm -hmm. in the Qatar Central Bank and has not been used. Mm -hmm. Not a single dime has been used. Uh, is what's who said that? The John Kirby of the National Security Council said every single dime of that money is still in Qatar. Uh, mm -hmm. So the 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 funds were conditional conditional release that they're only used for uh, humanitarian aid, medicine, food, uh, clean water, etc. And Secretary of State Tony Blinken, we have strict oversight of the funds and we retain the right to freeze them. Uh, the Department of the Treasury overseas is, they pretty much are the bookkeeper for that money. And one thing of note, Iran typically supports Hamas. It's not, not a unusual or it's not new but the supreme leader ayatollah ali khamenei, khamenei? khamenei. okay sorry uh, ayatollah ali khamenei said that iran was not involved at all and he was pretty adamant about that right i, I always trust uh, the the supreme leaders because they're <laughs> supremely <laughs> knowledgeable <laughs> i don't know my thinking on it is but what i understand has Go on. Uh, what I was going to say, uh, and Hesla was training with some of their people. Yeah, the whole intelligence oversight thing, which I have on the outline for the mm -hmm. international show, uh, with a lot more detail, as much detail as I could get anyway. But the, what I was, mm -hmm. what I wanted to say about it was that I think him saying, I think this is one situation where we can take a guy like this at his word. If Iran had anything to do with it, I feel like they would be parading it. And, and declaring it to the whole world, like, yeah, we did that. Fuck Israel. We did it. Or we helped. So right. I, I kind of take him at, at, at his word here. It's mm. fair. Still, you know, you never know. One scary thing is that Iran and Saudi Arabia are starting to normalize relationships. And they yes. have been in contact regarding this situation. Mm. And they are both pointedly on the side of Palestine. So, that's not good. Yep. There, there is no universe where that's good. And who brokered that no. arrangement was China. It's fantastic. 
President Xi, he's what? so smart. Yeah. Uh, China arranged, made their arrangement, and that's how they settled their beef a little bit. You know, just to add in there, I feel like my whole family thought I was crazy when I wanted to buy uh, a bunker or a decommissioned nuclear missile silo. But, you know, nowadays, that's looking pretty good. <laughs> I have heard that's... of uh, silent, uh, silos being repurposed for housing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they're, uh, they're a little on the expensive side. But, I would uh, imagine so. Yeah. It's um, possible. One, I don't want to give too much news. We're kind of we're uh, late on time here. But uh, there is a, a plan to get American citizens out of Israel. Um, there are 27, last time I checked, 27 confirmed dead, probably more, uh, 14 unaccounted for. So they are chartering flights from Israel to Germany and Greece, and then, or they, they're chartering uh, ships to uh, Cyprus, Cyprus. And that's it for that. Uh -uh -uh. Something interesting I saw is a State Department memo that these three specific phrases should not be in official press releases. De-escalation slash ceasefire, end to violence slash bloodshed, and restoring calm. They should not be in press releases. What? <clears throat> sounds just like they, uh, sounds like they want it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Mm. Now, the last thing, last thing. There's violence against Palestinians happening already. There was a six-year-old boy yep. in a suburb of Chicago who was yep. murdered. He was six. Yeah. His name was Wadea Al-Fayoum. He was stabbed 26 times by a 71-year-old man. He was six years old. What could this boy possibly have known? I, I'm sure he doesn't even really know what's happening. Or he didn't, rather. No. God. Um, he liked playing soccer and basketball with his friends. The little uh, suburb was called Bridgeview. It is also colloquially known as Little Palestine. Mm. What I found most uh, disheartening, um, the boy's father, Oday, he said that the landlord in particular had a good relationship with the whole family and that he had even mm. built a treehouse for the boy. And after he killed Wadea, he started trying to kill the mother and he was screaming at her as he was trying to choke her to death that all all Muslims must die or all Arabs must die. It's one of those two. It doesn't matter. It's a disgusting thing to say either way. Damn. Six years old. That's what I was thinking about earlier when when we first started and I was having a little trouble there. If you look at him, like he's he's a he's a handsome little kid and like I don't I don't know what could possess you to stab a six year old twenty six times. But that's it. His name was Wadea Al Fayum. That's it. That's all I could uh, stomach to make this outline. Um that is it's pretty terrible. 
I, uh... That's completely unacceptable, obviously. But, and similarly, if he was a Jewish boy, I would be just as fucking disgusted. I want to make sure that's clear. This is not acceptable in any way. It it makes me think, with the kind of crazy people we have in the U.S., I think Palestinians living here have more to worry than worry about anyone else. When I was going to that rally um, on Saturday, uh, I'm I'm trying to find parking, and as I'm driving past the rally, two cars ahead of me, uh, this guy in this, uh, this huge SUV stops in the middle of the road, opens up his door, climbs halfway on top of his car, and starts cursing at all of uh, the people uh, protesting, uh, rallying for Palestine. Starts cursing at them and, uh, and flipping them off. While I'm like, I'm like, do I need, am I gonna have to get out of the car and like, go like, do something about this guy? Like he, he looked visibly angry, um, yelling at these people. Um, and all they could do was chant back at him. So it, I, uh, I really hope, I hope people out there are staying safe. I'm glad to hear that they did, that the supporter, Palestinian supporters didn't like rise to the ant- antagonizing guy. Cause the, the, oh, that's like what the, that's what they want. That's what the media wants is they want to be able to paint anyone who's stands in support of Palestine to any degree as like violent deranged people Mm -hmm. yeah i was most worried about mass shootings of people going to pro-palestine rallies and then just emptying into the crowd i i was i was like on guard the whole time um i actually uh believe it or not i'm friends with a few anti-fascist groups in the area um there was several uh, individuals there that specifically went to provide security um, to uh, make sure that they were watching and on guard so that the people actually protesting um, could do what they were doing. Um, so I, I, at least I know in my area, there are people that are um, trying to be the counter to that, that extremist violence. How? Uh, yeah, tell me more about the about the protests. What you described? How you like when you got there? There was that jackass. But what else? How else? Yeah, did you go? I, uh, um, I mean, for the most part, it was. So, uh, I hope I'm not saying this uh, wrong, but the the people putting on the protest, uh, Al Hadaf, um, Casey, um, they had this protest uh, or more of a rally going. Um, biggest rally i've ever seen um in that area um they have they always have uh rallies at a specific place i don't know if it's just because of permits that's what i would assume probably uh, but the the jc nichols like fountain i think that's what it's called in, in kansas city um we had it there huge uh uh turnout there was probably a thousand or more people there um there were uh, people going around handing out literature that very accurately explains the history um, of what's going on over there. Um, I met so many nice people. There were several veterans there that I met um, that I got in contact with. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to uh, um, have them 
uh, on the podcast at some point. Um, they had uh, speakers. Um, they all all talked. Uh, very powerful, very, very emotional. Um, it was really nice and refreshing to see that there were so many people uh, in the area because the way they have the the, uh, the area set up, um, it's basically on a street corner. So as uh, cars drive by, um, they would see this rally and you can kind of tell um, who's supportive, who's not, because most supportive people will honk, they'll wave. You can see them from the car and whether or not they actually are wanting to look at uh, the people, um, you know, holding the, their signs and their flags. And a lot of people driving by uh, were very supportive. They were honking, um, not, not like in a way to um, uh, to take away from the rally, but uh, in, in a way that seemed supportive, like in time with the chants and things. Um, a lot of people actually had um, uh, flags, uh, you know, out, out of their car as they drove by, uh, like Palestinian flags. Um, so for the most part, it, it seems, um, it seems like it was bringing good attention to what was going on. Um, a lot of local news was there. Um, the local news, uh, interviewed several of the people that put, that had put on the rally. Um, and fortunately I was able to, um, speak with a few people. Uh, one of them, uh, his name was, uh, Ian Monroe. Um, who you'll be able to hear his interview. He's with the Citizen Citizens for Justice in the Middle Middle East, uh, which is an organization that started shortly after uh, 9/11. Um, and then I also interviewed another uh, individual who preferred to only give his initials um, because of uh, his safety concerns. Yeah, reprisals. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll be able to hear his uh, his. Uh, talk as well so all right i'm gonna include those as like a, a secondary episode kind of like the last one but we'll just i'll just have that the interviews on that and i'll whatever i'll i'll, I'll figure it out but it'll be Seems on the like second i'll be on the second episode heavy shit and it's only gonna i think it's only gonna get worse before it gets better yeah. <laughs> uh, okay let's um. Let's get ourselves out of here. Um, I'm gonna try to cut the fun, like, try to tone down the fun a little bit. But you know, if you like uh, combat sports, I have two other shows. You could go to the website and check those out. Um, I think something that might be kind of relevant to this is my sh the show I do with my cousins called Hard Shell Tacos, where we really delve into our feelings about stuff. The name is yeah, it's supposed to be funny. But... It's cute. I like it. Yeah. Uh, we tried to keep it apolitical, but I think I'm, I'm going to break that a little bit in the next one. Um, so socials and contact options, go to the website, lvxmedia.net. Um, that's where the boxing show, MMA show, Hard Shell Tacos are there. If you click on the Progressive Patriots page, uh, the button there, it'll give you an, uh, an option to email or if you want to text or call if you're old like me and you want to leave a voicemail. It's anonymous and it's unattended, so no one's going to answer. You just call, leave a message, and it's fine. Or text, and we all might hear your message on the next show. Uh, mm, socials. LVX Media Net. That's us on everything. 
If you can't find it, it's because we're not on it. But some, this is not like a, an endorsement from them to us, us to them or anything, but some organizations that I really like that I part, actually partnered with to make this show, actually. Common Defense, I believe, is Common Defense, at Common Defense, oh, and the, but on Instagram, it's Common underscore Defense. And Inverse is uh, Vets Forward, which is Vets FWD on Instagram, Vets underscore FWD on Twitter. I'm not calling it X. <clears throat> Do either of you want to plug anything? Nah, I think enough was said. Yeah, I uh, hope everyone stays safe, and I love all of you. Yep, all right. Same here. Wadea Al-Fayum. He was six. Don't forget it. Thank you.